Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And as always, we say the internet will never have enough nerds talking about Star Wars. So every week, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Yes, and this week we're taking a look at the next episode of the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Visions. And that episode is Lop and Ocho. We're very excited about this one. I love this one. one. It's so good. It's so fantastic. Anders, are you ready to cut all ties with your family but still demand the family heirloom? You know what? I'm the youngest child, so I very rarely get to demand the heirlooms. (laughs) So I am the heir. It is mine. I want it. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. I gentle listeners and the oldest child yeah <laughs> you the get youngest child and my family usually gets what they want <laughs> okay <laughs> we're gonna have a lot of family drama in this episode as it is everyone let's head into our technical details for this episode the film was produced by studio gino or gino this one i'm not sure on the pronunciation it was written by yusumi atashirashi and sayaka and directed by Yuki Igarashi. The characters Lop, I love her so much. Oppo and Yasubura were voiced in the original Japanese by Siren Kobayashi, Risha Shimuzu, and Tadashi Fujimura. In the English dub, they're voiced by Anna Cathcart, who is from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. She's fantastic. Hiromi Dames and Paul Nakauchi. With a runtime of 21 minutes, this is on the longer side for our Visions film, second only to The Ninth Jedi and uses every second of it. And that might be why we like it more because it's longer. It doesn't even it doesn't feel longer either. It it no. moves. It moves really quickly. I thought that it was one of the shorter ones and then I saw the runtime I'm like, "Oh shit." Yeah. Just got shit done. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving into what actually happens during that runtime. So we start off the planet Tau is very rich in natural resources and the empire has its sights completely set on exploiting them. Uh, kind of an orphan child, Lop, mm. is starving in the street when she's taken in, fed, and ultimately mm. freed. It's, like, not really clear if she's some kind of a slave or just, like, if lower class people are just shackled on this planet. That can, I guess, happen. I don't know. Yeah, they say uh-huh. something about slavery, but it's very big. Yeah. Um, by a young girl, Ocho, and her father. Years later, Lop has grown up as a full-on sister to Ocho and a daughter to their father. Mm-hmm. And it's adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> now, Ocho is trying to convince her father that he must kind of just get with the program and embrace the Empire's help in modernizing the planet. She wants to bring them to a new prosperous age. He's really, really resistant, going so far as to bomb, setting up a bombing for the Imperial facility. Mm. Um, Lop is just pleading with her sister to be kind and stay with the family. Don't go with the Empire. Stay here with us. But Ocho declares that she is the future of the family, and she's been secretly negotiating with the Empire, basically on the planet's behalf. Yeah. Lap goes home, and her father gives her the family sword, also lightsaber, mm-hmm. telling her the history of a Jedi who once brought it to the planet and trained his ancestors how to wield it. Father goes to confront Ocho, and tells Lop to stay behind, but of course she doesn't. She follows him with the blade. This is Star Wars. No one stays behind. <laughs> no one stays behind. <laughs> um, Ocho is absolutely horrified that her father would give the family sword to Lop, 
who is not a blood relative. Um, we haven't mentioned yet. Lava is actually also an alien. Yes. Ocho and her a father bunny. are human. She's a bunny. <laughs> She's a bunny. <laughs> Something we might have mentioned earlier. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, he responds and tells her that family is more than blood. And Ocho just straight up strikes him down. Lop is determined, though. she's She wants to save her sister. But in the end, Ocho does not want her help. After they keep fighting, Ocho departs in an Imperial shuttle with Lop just kind of looking on in absolute despair. She is despondent. <laughs> oh, man. I After re-watching these, I noticed how much of a downer a lot of the last episodes yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Oh Lord, this is like the beginning of a Disney movie, not the end. <laughs> Why? I know. I don't know, but I mean, even that being said, though, I was enthralled with this one, mm-hmm. like pretty mm-hmm. much from the jump. I absolutely loved it. The way they incorporated so many of those like classic Star Wars Imperial designs into the planet, they looked like they were this like newer thing on top of the old and existing structures. Um, the way it was kind of out in the water a little bit, I just loved that. I loved the whole passing of the torch element with the lightsaber. Uh, and to a degree, even sort of passing on that, that force connection. Mm-hmm. The idea of the Empire coming in and tried to sort of win the hearts and minds of the people at first, instead of just stomping mm-hmm. on them, was really interesting. We don't usually get to see that part of it. We got a little bit of it in Bad Batch. The schmoozing. Yeah, the schmoozing. Uh, and on rewatch though, I, even though it is the long, one of the longer ones, it does kind of just end really abruptly. So, mm-hmm. you know what? I guess we need a sequel. I guess we need more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> please, please. Next to probably the ninth Jedi. This is the one that I want the most a sequel from mm-hmm. desperately. It really took me by surprise. I, I like animal anime characters for the most part but sometimes they get a little kitschy and a little silly but Lop was so fun and so endearing she's adorable I would want her to be my sister too Ocho so good call there I really want to see her story move forward I want it to be even more about the relationship between the sisters how they navigate their world and their responsibilities like this is big time like empire meets not rebellion necessarily but personal family rebellion Mm-hmm. which is interesting like a different angle to take on the found family versus lost family versus blood versus adoption like there's a lot of stuff going on in this short film and we want more please and thank you the fight sequence at the end was holy shit that was great and the lop using the force amazing like yay <laughs> when she pulled the like sigh her dad's yeah. weapon over to herself i loved that I want to see them training. I want to see Yasuburo being like, all right, sisters fight (laughs) when they're younger (laughs) and they just spar because they both know how to fight. So obviously he's taught them something. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoyed that the Yasuburo family made their home a part of the planet. Like their house is in the cliff. They've basically carved their home out of nature. Whereas the empire is more of an invader, like an invasive species that destroys the planet. So, like, Yasuburo's right, though, Ocho. You need to, like, chill. And just a little bit. Just a bit. Because that freaking dandy, freaking foppish Imperial officer is like, oh, yeah, this is so easy now. 
I have this girl that's totally going to listen to me, and she's basically the one that's running the planet. Use her blood as eyeliner. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that part was wild, wild shit. (laughs) All right. Well, before we move on, we're just going to take a quick break to hear about some other podcasts from Forgotten Entertainment Family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCast is available on NOMCastPod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at NOMCastPod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We've got movies forgotten and hot takes verboten you just have to hear. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We've got loads of fantastic films for all. From the ghost and the darkness to the Amish and witness, we'll cover it all. Season 11 will be the best of them all. Happy Holidays from Forgotten Cinema. All right, everybody, we're going to head into our next section, which is our guiding questions for the short film today. The anime studio behind the magic is Gano Studio. It's very new with only a few television and film titles to its name. I was very surprised how new they were just from how sleek and beautiful Lapin Ocho was. It's like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, these guys know what they're doing. It was created from a now defunct animation studio and is a subsidiary of Twin Engine, which has a lot more titles to its name. And like, I was just very surprised that this small of a studio got a Disney short film, a Star Wars Disney short film, but they really ran with it. If this concept came to Disney and they were like, Bunny, Star Wars, Disney is like, sold. <laughs> Give it to us now. We want the bunny in Star well, Wars. You never know. Maybe Disney will just buy them next year. Right. I mean, it could happen. Mm-hmm. They're very talented. Their story group is great. I, if Disney wants to buy them and be like, make more Lapin Ocho, I would be totally fine with that. So <laughs> long as they keep everyone on staff and pay them nicely. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, moving then into our Japanese cultural or kind of anime influences. So, I mean, this entire episode has to do with family obligations and honor, learning mm-hmm. from your ancestors, and this kind of reverence for the natural world. Lapanocho really capitalizes on all these really, really traditional Japanese themes. It was really cool to see them incorporate really all of them into such a short, sp- short short span of time. Mm-hmm. And very seamlessly. This one, I think, and Akakiri too, looked the most like quote unquote Japanese or the most mm-hmm. Asian, just with like the clothing styles, the fighting styles, and just everything to do with the themes that we're encountering here. Because the Japanese are like, you know, shit happens. It's sad, everyone. <laughs> like, yes, there can be like an epic journey and an epic adventure, but there is going to be drama and angst, which like, I'm here for that's fine give mm-hmm. it to us more and Next it always have... comes down to one family 
No matter how big or how small, it always comes down to a single family in the galaxy. (laughs) That's where all the drama comes from. Even if it's like found family, it's still the most fun when it's Uh people and their relationships and how they deal with their relationships within the world. Guys, we just recorded, we just recorded our Bohemian Geek Studies (laughs) Rebels finale the other night. So we're talking about found family. (laughs) Mm, I'm fine, everyone. I only cried like five times. We love you, Ezra. Please come home soon. Okay, next we have the presentation of the ceremonial family blade to the heir. Yasubro passes on his clan's heirloom to Lop, his adopted daughter, which is pretty big, in a very ceremonial way. Like, this is very tea ceremony. We are kneeling down in front of this thing and having a whole story told about it. He tells her the story of the lightsaber, how they've incorporated it into their family honor code, basically. And then there's their clan crest which is really cool. It is the crane. This has a very specific meaning as well. Throughout Asia, the crane is a symbol of happiness and eternal youth. Mm, Palpatine, looking for that crane, are you? In Japan, the crane is one of the mythical or holy creatures. Others include the dragon and the tortoise. This is like some lion turtle atlas stuff coming at us. Mm -hmm. And symbolizes good fortune and longevity. Once again, Palpatine's like, where's this crane at though? Because like eternal youth, longevity, yay. Because of the fabled lifespan of a crane was supposed to be a thousand years. And then there is Tao, which is the name of the planet, also can mean long life in Japanese, depending on the kanji that's used for it. So lots of like giving stuff to our forebears, like learning from our forebears, giving stuff to our children like longevity, we keep the family going, we keep the planet going, that's the whole deal. At least that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> but not for the Empire. Yeah. Next up we have Ocho and the act where she she cuts her hair off. Mm-hmm. This is really, really big in anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least Colleen tells me it's big in anime. I don't know. <laughs> but... hey, I give you something else later. <laughs> <laughs> but it also has some really real world kind of connotations. It comes yeah. from the Edo period in Japan, where a samurai would actually cut off their top knot as a way of stepping down from their positions. It really symbolizes a big life change, mm-hmm. the end of an era. Mm-hmm. Most people will recall Zuko having cut off his hair in Atla, which was done to humiliate him and kind of show his lack of station. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also nothing new in Star Wars, as we have the Padawans who will lose their Padawan braids upon knighthood. So mm-hmm. as they're, in that case, moving up in their station. Yes. So it can have both meanings. Mm-hmm. In this case, Ocho's like, fuck y'all, I'm out, basically. We also have uh, Cersei in Game of Thrones gets her hair cut off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any sort of like, it's either like growth or defilement. There's like no in between when it comes to the cutting off of the hair, especially for women. Like it has an even more like innocence lost kind of connotation when a young girl gets her hair cut off. Okay, next we have anthropomorphized characters. Anime has a lot of characters with animal features. We talked about this before, like the cat people cat hybrids they're huge huge in anime there's cat people everywhere but not it was really dog cool. people i know there's not enough dogs <laughs> there are some there are some dog people in my hero academia the police commissioner is a dog like literally he's a, a dog person <laughs> and he says woof <laughs> after his sentences it's fantastic i really like though that we got a rabbit protagonist here and that she That's was cool. shown as strong a lot of times rabbits are shown as like 
kind of more weak or meek and very cuddly, but Lop is like, damn, the girl can fight. She's not the only bunny in Star Wars. We see you, Jackson. You're also very cool. But she's the first kind of get more widespread recognition. Jackson is kind of more off to the side a little bit. But this is like cartoon. People are watching it. We finally get a bunny protagonist and it's the girl. Yay. Love it. Next up, we have droids. We have some droids. Droids are a big presence in Star Wars. And in most of these shorts here, they do play a pretty big role. Colleen, what's our droid here? <laughs> oh, this is so uncalled for. <laughs> His name is TD4. He's adorable. Yes. Oh my god, I cannot, I can't stand this. This is Lop's best friend. We see him with her at the beginning of the short, basically throughout the entire short. He's with her as she's surviving on the streets of Tao. He takes off her slave collar thing, which I kind of was like, wait, why didn't he do that before? But for the sake of the short. Maybe he needed permission from someone to take it off. We don't know. But that he is the one that does that. He is cut down savagely by Ocho at the end. He's like being a little manipulative with the family photo, like trying to kind of jar Ocho back to reality. Mm-hmm. And that's when she destroys him is when he's like, but look, it's your family. Woo! And <laughs> she's like, fuck no, slash, he's done. I really want him to be okay. I want him to be I, okay too. I want I Lop hope, to find him and fix him. Yeah, I hope that Lop can fix him because he's adorable and very sweet. And especially if her dad is dead, like we really need this droid to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Please, and that also, I mean, that family photo thing was really also, I mean, we saw that in Last Jedi too, when R2 pulls up mm-hmm. the Leia hollow. Yeah. And Luke's rude. just like, rude. Cheap shot. <laughs> That's not the only Star Wars connection we have in these. Colleen, what are some of our other Easter eggs, connections, and callbacks? Okay, this first one is not a Star Wars one per se. This is an anime one, Dragon Ball Z, the Scouter. This is Lop's eye tech. It looks a lot like a Scouter from Dragon Ball Z. It has the little carrot symbol on it, which is really cute. (laughs) So this is like her kind of like enhanced vision thing. Mm-hmm. she's using it and eventually she's told you don't need that and I'm like just like Luke when he's got his little computer down in a new hope and Obi-Wan's like get that shit out of there you don't need that <laughs> just like Lop she doesn't need this little scouter thing to get by all right next up we have we have a representation of the Jedi crest which mm-hmm. is meant to resemble a living sunrise the Jedi insignia is representative of a winged blade of light aka a lightsaber Mm -hmm. Uh, it also kind of looks a lot like a bird almost like Sabine Wren's firebird ish Mm -hmm. or like the crane of House Yasuburo Mm -hmm. and like the symbol of the rebellion (laughs) lots of birds and like this yeah lots of firebirds lots of phoenixes here (laughs) yeah rising from the ashes taking flight freedom of being able to fly we love it give us more symbolism we love that shit at least I do I like breaking that down Next, we have the Mandalorian episode, The Heiress. The Moon of Trask in that episode has that kind of industry on the water equipment that you get the sense that isn't necessarily really good for the environment. There's yeah. a lot of things that the Empire does and that is left over from the Empire where you're like, oh, is this really okay? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> Next, we have in a very different context mm. than when it was originally uttered, but we do get the iconic 
Star Wars line, I am your father, three mm-hmm. times in this short. <laughs> Again, <laughs> very different content. Big, big on this I am your father <laughs> situation, both with Ocho and Lop, which is very sweet. Especially in the beginning when he didn't want to adopt her. Like he had to be guilted into adopting her <laughs> by his very young daughter. She's like, uh, no, I want a sister. So whatever, dad, we're taking her home. And he's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Way to get pushed around by your kid. But I love that. It's adorable. Next, we have Lop's species is the Leppy. Yay. <laughs> Which first appeared in Marvel Comics Star Wars number eight in 1978. So they wanted bunny people back then, too. The Latin root for rabbit is lepus. So that is, of course, where the word lepi comes from. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the concept of the, the father passing on the lightsaber to his daughter. This just very much reminded me of the classic and mm-hmm. now much, much memed. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough. He slaughtered a bunch of kids with it. Then I cut off his arms and left him bar- burning on the side of the volcano. <laughs> Where he told me that he basically wanted me to die. Yeah. So, I don't think he really wanted me to have the lightsaber. <laughs> Obi-Wan twists the truth yet again. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're going to end on family because this episode is mostly about family. Family is more than blood. On this pod, we will always stand a chosen family. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Ocho, please come back. <laughs> oh my gosh okay (laughs) all right now it is time for us to move into our power rankings so we are constructing our power rankings of visions episodes as we go so starting at the top of your current list colleen lapanocho versus the ninth jedi lower okay so lapanocho versus the village bride i'm gonna go lower lapanocho versus the elder Higher. Higher. All right. So it is taking the number three slot mm-hmm. in your power rankings. I just noticed that my top three are all female protagonists. And Shocking. I am not going to go into the psychological implications of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My turn. Lapanosho versus the ninth Jedi. I'm, I'm going lower. Lapanosho versus the duel. This one's really tough. I, I both honest, have really good duels. <laughs> they, they both have really good duels. Uh, mm. It's so weird because the duel is also like, it's so different from mm-hmm. like all the other ones. And I love that about it. But this one was just. Uh, <laughs> it's just really hard because this is the call. Um, I'm going to no, say Lapanocho La goes above it. So oh. I'm going to move the duel down and put Lapanocho in my number two slot. This rewatch, guys, has led to some very interesting turns with this. Yes, it really has. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving into next week will be our last one of these. But just mm-hmm. a quick recap of our list right now. Colleen, yours goes The Ninth Jedi, The Village Bride, Lapanocho, The Elder, The Duel, T.O.B. One, Tatooine Rhapsody, and the Twins. Mm. Mine goes The Ninth Jedi, Lapanocho, The Duel, The Elder, Tatooine Rhapsody, Village Bride, T.O.B. One, and the Twins. So we only have one more to put in there somewhere. Very nervous. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Next, everybody, we're going to move into our recommendation section. Are you hungry for more strong female protagonists like me? Yes, always. Please, God, give us more. I've got two recommendations today. The first is probably the one of the most famous anime out there, Ghost in the Shell. My favorite, and not just famous for ScarJo being cast as the main character who is Japanese, that's fine. My favorite is Standalone Complex, which follows one of the coolest ladies in pop culture, Major Makoto Kusanagi. I love her. She's a badass. Very kind of Trinity from the Matrix, but with a lot more angst. She's a cyborg, and she focuses on missions pertaining to crimes committed by other cybernetic people and machines. The action in this series is fantastic. There's kind of this odd love story that's also going on throughout the whole thing, but mainly it's about the major and how she deals with living as a cybernetic person. Hmm. And then next, I just watched this. My friend Sarah recommended it to me. It is called Violet Evergarden. It made me cry more than thrice, which makes it (laughs) very rude. (laughs) Such a rude show. Okay, Violet grew up as a soldier. When she is catastrophically injured and her superior officer expresses his love for her before she passes out and she thinks he's dead, she decides to learn the meaning of love. Like, why did he say this to me? What does it mean? Because she has no placeholder for what love means. She was abandoned as a child. So yay, trauma. (laughs) Lots and lots of trauma. To do this, she becomes a ghostwriter for people who want to convey their feelings to another person but have a difficult time doing this either because they're just not good with words or they can't write at all like a lot of people in this world can't write (laughs) this is gorgeously animated it has a wonderful message it's you have to watch it it's wonderful it's on netflix right now there's a short series i think it's like 13 episodes and two films so please watch them all please watch especially watch the movies (laughs) after you watch the series i'm telling you it's totally worth it all right well next up so my recommendations this week i kept this one out of our homages despite the fact that this might have been the strongest homage i felt when watching visions like i saw this episode Mm -hmm. and was like oh this is inspired by but i want to talk about it here Mm -hmm. this is the book lost stars uh which is by claudia gray uh we've referred to it before on this podcast uh both really enjoyed reading it it's sort of a romeo and juliet story set in space over the events of the original trilogy Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of get to see what some of the people in the background were dealing with during all of these epic star wars moments Mm -hmm. and i just saw a lot of similarities with Papanocho, the story you know there's a planet that the empire is looking to industrialize two very close friends who find themselves ultimately on opposite sides of the conflict and Mm -hmm. testing the strength of both their bonds against their duties and all this other stuff going on it's guys it is a great book it's shelved in the YA section, which always surprises me because there's a lot of sex <laughs> <laughs> for a Star Wars book. I mean, let's be fair. It's yeah. not like explicit, but there is a lot of sexual tension in this book. Y'all. <laughs> I guess they're like, the teens will love this. Yeah. Yes, they will. <laughs> uh, and the main recommendation is to check out the Supergirl series on mm. the CW. Uh, just wrapped up its final season. But one of the characters who comes in in the kind of latter half of the series uh, is the character Dreamer, Dreamer um, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Nia Nall. And, I mean, Supergirl, it, more so than any other kind of Arrowverse TV show, was always pretty damned overt with its messaging and what it was 
what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think it, it ultimately turned into a really, really strong arc for this character. Uh, she's an alien who has a very interesting family dynamic uh, because she has inherited her mother's powers, which are always mm-hmm. passed mothers to daughter, but she is in fact a trans woman. And so other members of the family kind of coming to terms with that and the fact that she got the powers <laughs> despite Oops. the facts of her birth I uh, mean, just kind of reminded me of of the way Lop, Lopinocha's dynamic in this and with the sisters. That's so good. Well, and Supergirl is a lot about sisters too. Supergirl itself, the series. Yeah. And I love Melissa Benost. I love her. <laughs> I do She's so good on Glee, and she is a wonderful Supergirl. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Join us again next time as we finish our Visions journey with Akakiri. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWPod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Hit that follow button. Uh, check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we just recently wrapped up our dive into Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> you can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. But until next time, bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.